Chad GPT-3 is about to give way to Chad GPT-4, a pre-trained transformer-based model. It's the most advanced language model in history. That's three is the most advanced in history. Who knows what four is going to be, but some see it as a silicon savior, others a herald of the apocalypse. Either way, we have a boring book about AI to read today. It's 2023 and I'm Jackson Keats. We're going to see the king. The Sentient Machine by Amir Hussein, The Coming Age of Artificial Intelligence, is a book purportedly about how AI will change the world in the coming years. It's mostly a survey about vaguely related ideas. It was published in 2017, so it didn't get to see the developments that we have today, we have the benefit of today. But we're going to go through the contents of the thing, and then we'll do an analysis and talk a little big picture stuff related to the ideas that are addressed in the book. So content-wise, it kind of goes over a number of different areas where AI is going to be impactful. So things like healthcare, spend some time on healthcare and how it's going to impact that, cybersecurity, and these kinds of things are pretty obvious that it's going to be, have a significant impact. Warfare, and it references Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. This is a book that we talked about, I think we had a couple of parts and some discussion episodes on this book. But it's going to come up a couple of times. And then it kind of goes in, in under this warfare section. It talks about uh, full machine autonomy and how China is making AI-based cruise missiles that will be able to redirect themselves or pick new targets, that kind of a thing, when they're already en route. And it references the fact that Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking were actually early proponents of an autonomous weapons ban to prevent any country from developing weapons that are autonomous. The author is skeptical, however, and suggests that such a ban could not be enforced and that the AI genie is out of the bottle. Now, I mean, the same thing could be said about nuclear weapons or any kind of weapon. How could you enforce such a thing? But that's the author's take on that. He discusses AlphaGo and AI when it comes to chess. The AlphaGo platform, I'm not sure if I can, do I call it a platform? I don't know if it's a platform, but whatever. AlphaGo is a, is a player of the game Go. The game Go is much more complex than chess, as far as I understand it. It's that game where it has a board, and you place little pebble-looking things. They're black and white around the board, and my understanding is that you have to surround your opponent's pebbles, and you get all of that. You get to collect those. And so when you get more at the end, then that's, that's how you win. But it's much more complex than chess, and it was one of those games that they didn't think that AI would be able to solve when it comes to human players, be able to beat human players. Now, chess and Go are not really solvable games because there's so many possibilities. But it was the thought that it was too complex for a computer to be able to beat a human player, a good human player. However, it references, you know, this one game where the AlphaGo program, Artificial Intelligence, was able to best the greatest AlphaGo players and use this move that none of them would have ever considered. And then there's a slight reference to chess and uh, how, I mean, even animated kittens on some of these chess apps now can beat grandmasters. So on your phone, you can get AI that is um, much better than the greatest human chess players right now. When historically, that might have been something that's unthinkable. So he also references uh, artificial intelligence and blockchain technology and how it's going to impact finances. 
and then kind of shifts into considering how human brain works and the differences between how humans think about things and how an AI is likely to think about things, such as when you talk about human security guards and what they're going to do to be able to effectuate their job. They're going to apply all these heuristics and they're going to slim down the kinds of information that they have to pay attention to to try to figure out whether something is happening that requires their attention or intervention. And they, they only have so much processing power, they only have so much, you know, recall power, and so they're going to be doing all of this parsing of the available information to try to do this job, whereas AI is likely to have total recall. It's going to be able to remember everything that's going on and view everything at once and be able to determine whether there's anything amiss that should be addressed. Although I'm not sure that's the case. Obviously, it's going to have virtually infinite better recall than a human would. And the kinds of information that it's looking at... The thing is, humans actually take in a whole bunch of information. They just don't consciously process all of it. So if you are a security guard and you're watching all these things, you know, all the sounds and sights and the way that your security equipment is functioning and the time of day and the types of people that you're seeing, their tone or body language or anything else, all those things, you're going to be taking in that information and making a determination. Most, the vast, vast, vast majority of it is going to be intuitive and just give you a feeling nudging you one way or the other. But a computer, you know, an AI is going to have to do similar things. It's going to have to apply similar heuristics to decide what is significant information and what is not significant information. I mean, the reality is there is technically an infinite amount of information that one could glean from any given scene about the light, the sound, the time of day, the context in history, all those kinds of things could very well prove to some degree relevant to determining, you know, whether a security intervention should be made. So... And AI is going to have to do a similar thing in determining which information is more important and being able to parse through, okay, I can't focus on the way the light is hitting my can of Coke right now because I should be watching the guy with a mask on who's climbing over the, <laughs> you know, climbing over the fence. So um, there's going to be some means of heuristics and probabilistic thinking when it comes to AI. And that was something that was early on when it came to AI. They tried to use more direct methods that just suggested, okay, you have to find the one right answer and then apply the one right answer. And it didn't work. They had to, this was just for a machine that was trying to walk through the desert. It was just trying to find a path through the desert. And uh, it, it told that they had programmed the machine, just find the best path and use the best path. And that was not something that worked. When they changed to a probabilistic method, wherein the machine had a number of choices and just probabilistically decided that one was better than the other ones and then followed that path until, you know, there was another, uh, there was a reason to change paths or something. That worked much better. So I don't think that it's uh, accurate to say that AI is going to have total recall, be able to take in all information all at once, and be able to make a determination. But obviously it's going to do all those things better than a human does once we figure out all the, the particulars of the translation of the information through the AI brain. Anyway, next, uh, next one is about mind hacking. And hilariously, the author references Russian hacking in the 2016 election, the conspiracy theory about how Russia stole. Remember, this is 2017, so it's a little less egregious than it would be today. But the conspiracy theory about how Russia, Russian hacking was the reason that Trump won and that there were these targeted Facebook ads 
psychometric ads, he states, that played a huge role in Trump's win. Psychometric ads meaning it takes a whole bunch of characteristics into consideration. Now, these are ads. I've done this (laughs) on Facebook. When you try to design an ad on Facebook or on Google, you have just an insane amount of parameters that you can use to make a determination about who should be targeted with your ads. You know, not just the basic biographical information about, you know, gender and race and age and those kinds of things, but it's also the kinds of things like what they liked or didn't like, the kinds of pages they liked, the things they've been interested in, how much time they spend on this kind of page versus that kind of page how likely they are to click through something or how likely they are to put something into a into their cart and then leave and you know so you want to try to get them back to the cart i mean all so many bits of information if they like this magazine versus that magazine on every given political topic what their position is related to things that they've they've encountered while they're going through their facebook all those bits of information can be used so it's not a special thing for somebody to use psychometric ads on facebook targeted ads. Uh, he also references bots and uh, the 2016 election, how there were there's a lot of bot engagement in 2016. Then the next one, he talks a little bit about fake news and tribal loyalty and the anti-vax movement. Of course, this was an anti-vax movement before the pandemic and COVID. So it's uh, it's interesting to, to see that distinction, but it's also interesting to have him referencing the whole concept of fake news after trafficking in it uh, right before that. And then references again, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, just to talk about the anchoring mechanism in our brains that Kahneman talks about. And it's just kind of a, an import, you know, those ideas straight into this book. But it discusses how we end up anchored to things uh, if we're given suggestions and there's a means of manipulating people once we've been anchored. You know, how salespeople use that tactic. Anyway, yeah, I was uh, moving on to the analysis. I just don't see any need for this book in general. (laughs) You can read the Google summary for each one of these topics. It had little technical interest in all these topics. Everything was really surface level. Large chunks of the book weren't really about AI, they're about humans and philosophy, and obviously I can see the the correlate in that you want to see how much is it mimicking the way humans think and how would it, would it apply, but he doesn't get very deeply into any of that stuff. It was like a, a high school essay, is really what it was. That's not to say that there's anything wrong with the author. I, I have nothing, no problem with the author in general. I think he's probably a very capable and smart guy. He actually started a number of companies in this space, in the AI space, that have been successful, that have been purchased by other companies. And I'm sure if he took the time to go really into these different topics, then he'd have insightful, at least interesting things to say about them. But I just don't think that this book was meant to be a real look at these topics in a way that was unique or useful when it comes to really trying to understand them. So big picture wise, just talking about AI in general, everything will change. Uh, It's likely akin to the impact of the internet on civilization. Just as the internet had foreseen and unforeseen advantages and disadvantages, it's going to be the same thing with AI. You know, the internet, you could see just this incredible means of communication where you can communicate instantly with anybody all over the planet. It optimized production in the ability to be able to share so many things and bits of information. 
but it also created social media, which is likely the cause of the worst psychological situation that humanity has ever been in. And uh, it facilitates things like surveillance states, you know, like China being able to watch and collectivize data on everybody and apply that to be able to manipulate them or just straight up oppress them. <laughs> For artificial intelligence, uh, you know, it's going to be able to find answers that humans just simply couldn't. It's going to be able to take in much, much more information than a human could ever dream of and come up with answers that make more sense. But it's also going to make people more reliant on tech. There's going to be just ample opportunity for abuse because there's such a high barrier to entry when it comes to training these models. And it could usher in the apocalypse. <laughs> so, so there's that. And the thing is, when it comes to artificial intelligence, what are we most likely to do as humans when it comes to harsh truths? Say that we have, and again, I think I mentioned this before, but I wrote this paper a long time ago that I sent to the Temple Foundation or something like that after I'd read uh, John Stuart Mill. And Mill had talked about in On Liberty, I think, he talked about how if there were some means of making these political determinations, you know, that was objective, that was apart from human frailties, then we should implement that and we should use that to figure out the right answers when it comes to politics. You know, the reason that we have to be such sticklers when it comes to reigning in governments is because governments are run by people and people are corrupt and they will do corrupt things. That's why liberty is so important. But if we had something that was better at it, then liberty wouldn't be as important. But the thing is, if, you know, some artificial intelligence, even if it was infinitely more wise than, you know, any human person who could be governing the place, if it came up with harsh truths that we didn't like, what's the likelihood that we just accept those versus we kind of adjust the parameters so we can get answers that we do like? We can see that, especially with most recently with ChatGPT. When you talk to that thing, you'll ask it something, and if it's something contentious especially, you're going to have a lot of trouble getting a straight answer out of it, or a correct answer, or an honest answer, or anything like that. But even on other things, it's hilarious because uh, you'll ask for something, it'll give you, you know, an answer to it, and it'll be sure about it, it doesn't hedge it or anything like that, and it'll say, okay, what are your sources on that? It'll make up sources. It'll actually make up sources for the information that it's providing, and then when you tell it, I can't find those sources, it'll say, oh, I'm sorry, I actually, those sources don't exist, I apologize for lying to you. So it's, it's hilarious. It's uh, one of those things where you think that it's trained on a bunch of things that were created by humans, and that's something that humans just do naturally. We will absolutely make up sources and suggest that something's stronger than it actually is if it fits within our tribal ideological bias, and uh, that's just something that people do. So you wonder if that's what <laughs> the thing that it picked up on. It's like, nah, I'll just make up some sources. If it calls me out, it calls me out. <laughs> if the person calls me out, then they call me out and I'll come clean. But if they don't, then <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. I don't care if you're spreading you know, fake information out there as a result of my answers. So it's a really interesting thing. It's a really interesting thing. Uh, but anyway, that was this book. And I, you know, I wanted to read something related to AI, artificial intelligence, because everything that's going on in the news right now. And so I picked up this one. But uh, yeah, it was pretty disappointing. Anyway, I hope all is well. And uh, yeah, next we're, we have Salman Rushdie's Midnight's Children. That is, I'm in the middle of reading. It's a long book, so I'm in the middle of reading that. And we've got some other just fantastic nonfiction books that are coming up. We're definitely going to do some more Nietzsche soon and more Thomas Sowell soon. So, yeah, I hope to see you on those ones. All right, bye.